This episode is brought to you by Jane Austen. Okay, that's not actually true. This episode is brought to you by Writing with Jane Austen, a new six-week online creative writing course taught by me, Jonathan Rogers. Starting April 6th, we will read through Pride and Prejudice together. Then we'll examine how Jane Austen works her particular kind of magic, and then we'll apply those principles to our own writing. You can find out more at thehabit.co slash Jane. Welcome to The Hobbit Podcast, conversations with hobbits about breakfast. I'm Jonathan Rogers, your host. Every time I've ever seen the poet Malcolm Guide, he's been wearing a waistcoat. He smokes a long-stemmed pipe and blows smoke rings. He often ambles about in the countryside. He's not very tall. He loves breakfast. And I think I've seen a picture of him going barefoot in public. I leave you to draw your own conclusions. Malcolm Guy, thank you so much for being on the Hobbit podcast today. I'm delighted to join you. Uh, I think the the where we where we surely need to start, and where I think my listeners will be especially interested to to uh, to know, are you more uh, Baggins or Toque? Well, I think there's a bit of Baggins and a bit of Toque in in me, and it depends on the circumstances. When it comes to a nice warm fireside, the kettle just beginning to sing, and the prospect of a large breakfast undisturbed by nuisance visitors, I'm definitely a Baggins. But on the other hand, I do have a sense of adventure. I like to read the stories of night errantry, and I imagine myself occasionally having the freedom and will to just pull on an old cloak and uh, saddle an older pony and go out seeking a few adventures. So there's a bit of both, I think. I think a poet has to be uh, a little bit tukish, right? Mm. You, you can't. A, a poet has to be somewhat tukish. You have to go out in the world and see. Absolutely, uh, but of course, done. you know, Bilbo was a baggins with a good deal of tuk in him, but he certainly had a good deal of poetry in him, as did his heir Frodo. Yeah, I um, find poetry comes first, and you degenerate into prose a little bit later. <laughs> okay, yeah, that that sounds about right. Are you? You mentioned breakfast, and, and so this is something I've never been able to sort out. If there's breakfast and second breakfast and elevensies and then lunch, mm. how early does one have to start first breakfast in order to be able to squeeze in second breakfast and elevensies before lunch? Yeah. Well, of course, opinion is divided on this. In my view, second breakfast is the great meal. Uh-huh. So I, when I get up, I, I, I might have a little something by way of a first breakfast, um, you know, take the edge off the hunger a little, light repast, one or two nice things, and perhaps one or two more. But then you see you go for a walk, don't you? You take out your stout uh-huh. stick. You breathe the morning air. Perhaps you even have that morning pipe. And by the time you come back, then you've worked up an appetite for a proper second breakfast, which, of course, you know, if you've got the likes of Sam Gamgee to help you with the foraging and cooking, is going to involve not only bacon and eggs and sausages, but plenteous mushrooms. And uh, as a, a, well, the Shire is the Shire, but England, uh, where I am, is full of Shires, and um, the different Shires have got different sausages. There's Lincolnshire sausages and there's Cumberland sausages, and so you've got the variety there. And I like, I have to say, I like a little bit of fried bread and occasionally... um, some sort of cakes of potato and cabbage thrown in there as well. Depends this on how is, much there is in the pan on the one hand, the plate on the other, and finally the happy breakfaster. 
This is second breakfast we're talking about. That's second breakfast, yeah. Yeah. And then what happens at 11sies? Well, by the time you've finished second breakfast and washed up, you're probably wanting another breath of fresh air and possibly a more meditative morning pipe. Oh, right. Coffee, perhaps. Yeah. Um, of course, 11 is a magic hour because um, it's reasonable if you happen to have a pint of decent ale to start one at about 11. Right. And what you want really at 11s is, I think, is something like biscuits and cheese. Okay. I have to say the combination, maybe it's to do with some forms of liveliness in yeast working, but the combination of a really strong, crumbly, vintage cheddar cheese with a good, tangy, well-hopped real ale is something that makes 11 o'clock worth, worth going through. Right. You know, there, there are people who can be censorious about ale drinking before noon. Right? Oh, I think so, have, how do you address those people? I, I, well, the sun must be above the yard arm is what we say. Okay. It's Navy slang here. That the sun has to be high enough that it's, it's above the, the cross tree of the, of the mast. And I reckon 11 o'clock is good. Of course, depends on the season and um if you go a bit of north and there's a good deal of the northern in me the, the sun gets a bit higher in the summer earlier in the day so uh, sometimes <laughs> yeah. it can even well certainly 11 is safe because by the time you get to noon and you've been towards one mind has already turned to lunch right and uh, you know the great thing about the 11 o'clock 11 is ale. i mean you could have coffee if you were driven to it but if you happen to have a pint, and the thing is, if you've got real ale in a barrel, it doesn't last forever. When there's a certain moral duty to drink it while it's good and not see it go to waste. Sure. You insult the brewers. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I, I get that. Um, but are we cleaning up between each of these, between first breakfast and second breakfast and second breakfast and 11s and 11s and London? Is, is, well, is of course it... Rather depends on whether you happen to have a troop of handy dwarfs to do the dishes for you. Right. But, um, but if not, yes, you are. You're pottering about. Really, the forenoon, as we used to call it, you know, mornings weren't invented for industry. They were invented for pottering. And so you potter back and forth between the kitchen and your study and the little bench you have outside, catch the morning breeze. So yes, oh, yeah. you do this as you go along. Okay. Dreadful to have the whole clatter of unwashed dishes late in the day, just when you were wanting to sit down to a meditative pipe and perhaps a sip of something stronger. The dishes still to be done. Uh, Better to keep up with them while you're going. Well, um, your remarks remind me of something that the uh, the American um, journalist John Gunter said. He said, "All happiness depends on a leisurely breakfast." Do you agree yes, with well, that? It's a foundational meal, isn't it? Of course, the big, the good, what we in England call the full English. I love that phrase. Yeah. You can go to a cafe and, you know, will you have the, the continental, so-called. Uh, don't sort of get a, me started. I like croissant, a few little bits of, you know, egg on the side. But the full English is a large plate with everything on it. I like the fullness of it. I like the sort of sense of moreness and plusness and, and, and abundance in it. And of course, the, the origin of the full English is there with the kind of, you know, the jolly whistling plowman and the, and the farmer and the person who's actually got up very early 
no. to milk the cows or to go out and lay the hedges or, or you know gather in the eggs from the hens or whatever you've done a bit of work and breathing um and so you you need a decent breakfast and that of course is your foundation and keeps you going for the day and in when you're working on the land of course lunch itself has to be light you might just um have a couple of scotch eggs and, and 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 perhaps a cornish pasty tucked into your roll and a, a bottle of something but it's not a full set meal so your breakfast and or your two breakfasts have got to keep you going yeah do you ever eat fish for breakfast they used to serve it at school occasionally i say i can't really get used to it i mean kippers smoked kippers if you can get really good smoked kippers there's a place up in Northumberland called Craster where they still smoke kippers in the old-fashioned uh, way. Uh, Somebody once there was another place in Suffolk. Somebody once took a, an image of me. I, I sat down by an old um, fisherman's hut on on the beach in uh, Oldborough and lit up my pipe, not grasping that just above me were the words written in white paint on the on against the wooden wall it said we smoke fish here <laughs> <laughs> is um a kipper is like a little sardine or something a little small fish yeah it's a herring it's a herring okay and it used to be so a herring it's a herring which has been which has been filleted and then hung up in wonderful thick oak smoke for weeks you know uh -huh. um and it gives it an extraordinary flavor, wonderful. I mean, kippers are quite strong flavored anyway, but uh, I know some sophisticated people eat salmon for breakfast, but right. I think you want something a little tangier and heartier. Yeah. A little I, delicate salmon at supper is another matter. Uh, when I was growing up, my family tended to fry fish on special occasions for breakfast. So Christmas morning, maybe somebody would come home from a trip, we would, we would have fried fish and grits for breakfast. Well, that's very nice. Fried fish is always a good thing. We tend to keep that for lunch or supper and yeah. fry it in batter, good old fish and chips. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Gamji was partial to fish and chips. I am too. Um, okay. There, by the way, I, I think we, we will re release at least part, part of this as, as videos. So you, uh, do you have enough uh, smoke left in your pipe to blow us some rings, Malcolm? Right, man, is that? Yeah, let's see what we can do. Here we go. Oh, yeah. We are approaching Gandalf level. Can you do rings within rings, Malcolm? Just done a ring one just towards there, because the best thing really for rings within rings is when you've been several people smoking a pipe in a room in the evening and there's quite a lot of smoke in the atmosphere <laughs> and then the ring as it rolls through the air picks up the ambient smoke that's already there and becomes a stronger ring and and sort of stays up there and then you can really go for it um you see how we're doing i um okay There we are. Beautiful, beautiful. I can't I knew change it on you. <laughs> and I think it's a sudden galleon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is it? You had mentioned uh, something that Tolkien said in one of his letters about uh, about him that he was himself a hobbit. Yeah. Well, he 
he was asked, somebody wrote to him about hobbits, and he sort of listed some certain characteristics. He said, well, you know, something like, I am somebody who in this, this rather dull modern age still likes to wear waist-coloured waistcoats. I am sometimes, uh, I'm more than, more than overly fond of my victuals and I like a good breakfast. I like comfortable living. I like warm firesides. I like conviviality, hospitality, a walk in the countryside leaning on a stout stick. So you could say to that extent, I am a hobbit or words to that effect. And obviously, in fact, Tolkien put many of his own pleasures and the pleasures that he shared with Lewis walking and smoking and talking are very much part of that. And the great thing there is they're part of the general goodness. If you ask, you know, these great epic battles, what are they for? They're not so that you can spend your time on the heights fighting epic battles and smiting, you know. Uh, they're so that you can preserve the peace in which any good person can go down to the dream green dragon at Bywater and pick up a flagon of ale in peace, light a pipe and tell tales with his friends. Yeah. Uh, you know, those other great epic things are to preserve this simple, solid, earthy, ordinary, unpretentious in some respects, humble goodness, yeah. a contentedness in things. I mean, perhaps, you know, one might, I have been over known occasionally to overdo breakfast. But, I mean, nobody's harmed by that but myself. <laughs> but people who overdo aggression and pride and glory and the acquisition of uh, land and goods do immense harm. And if they'd stayed at home and simply had a second breakfast rather than going out to slay and conquer, we'd all be happier. Yeah. Yeah, you sound like uh, Thorin at the end of The Hobbit. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, Thor Thorin... Um, speaks some wisdom there that he learned the hard way, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, Saruman tells Gandalf that the pipe weed that he's learned to smoke from the hobbits has addled his brains. But on the contrary, it's the simple joys of sharing a pipe with Bilbo that have kept his feet on the ground and stopped him from the ludicrous, proud follies of Saruman. Yeah, yeah. Well, Malcolm, may we all live in a world of such simple pleasures and earthy pleasures and uh and may we know what to do with these i, I love what you said about uh, you know it's it's appropriate to drink the ale while it's at its best it's it's you're honoring the the ale maker you are indeed yeah and so uh may we all live that way i, I once one of my visits to your country i i i one of the things that made me say yes immediately to the proposal which was for a it was a C.S. Lewis festival in Petoskey, I think, was that when they sent me the schedule, the very first event was at a place called Beard's Brewery. I thought, <laughs> Beard's and Brewery, you know, as they say in your country, what's not to like? <laughs> you don't say that in your country? We don't no. use, well, I think some people use the phrase what's not to like. It's a slightly odd construction, isn't it? It but, is. Yeah. Um, Anyway, I, I think you certainly, you honour the cook, you know, by, by eating what she sets before you and delighting in it, and you honour the brewer by drinking the ale at its best, you know. Yeah. And, um, you know, you honour the poet by reciting their poems slowly rather than speed reading them. <laughs> I love it. Well, Malcolm Guy, thank you. May the hair ne on your toes never fall out. <laughs> yes, well, uh, thank you, and uh, I, I'm sure I, I wish the same to you, and uh, 
I expect your second breakfast is cooking now. Yes, it's. I'm. I'm. I'm Got to get ready for it. So thanks. Okay. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by the Rabbit Room, where art nourishes community and community nourishes art. And all our podcasts are made possible by the generous support of our members. To learn more about us, visit rabbitroom.com. And to become a member, rabbitroom.com slash donate. Special thanks as well to Taylor Linhart for letting us use her song Diamonds as the theme music for season three of The Habit Podcast. You can learn more about Taylor and follow her work at taylorlinhart.com. The Habit Membership is a library of resources for writers by me, Jonathan Rogers. More importantly, The Habit is a hub of community where like-minded writers gather to discuss their work and give each other a little more courage. Find out more at thehabit.co.